Um, I so I have a just kind of a generic pocket knife, mm-hmm. uh, but I have the way the frame is shaped. I have I can also use it as a bottle opener. Yeah. I have open bottles with it, just with the right the right torque. Yeah, you can get the right torque in there. Torque sounds like a word that uh, people who aren't like me use more. Did than... you hear about uh, trunk? Oh my. God. I don't know anything about it other than there's something called Tronk, and it thinks it's a media company. Oh, yes, I have heard about Tronk, and Twitter won't shut up about Tronk, <laughs> and I think the whole situation is horrible, and it makes me very sad. Tronk is the former Tribune Publishing sure. something. I'll take your word. And I think it's Tribune something something. Yeah. And as far as I know, it's like a old and respected media company that like you know owns publications and newspapers mm-hmm. and stuff like that and they just rebranded to tronk t-r-o-n-c tronk all lowercase yeah and in sort of a rainbow pattern oh it's really bad uh twitter had a lot of fun with it though yeah. which made me happy uh, i'm okay if uh really terrible things happen in the world as long as twitter has fun with it <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, remember America? Don't wait. You mean like the country? <laughs> I, was, I was a little too vague. I couldn't think of Jeb Bush tweeted the picture of the gun that said America. <laughs> that was one of my favorite like recent Twitter events that I saw oh, unhap- like unfold in real time. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, I've, I've warmed on Jeb Bush a lot lately. Yeah. Through his responses to Trump. Yeah. Um, but boy, when he tweeted America with a photo of a, it was like in an airport or something, like, and he had a gun or just well, like there's a, just a picture of a just gun, a picture of a pistol sitting somewhere, and uh, and, it said, and the caption was America, America, uh, and then and then Twitter exploded with pictures of things, things. and just the caption America, America. Uh, really delightful. It was a good. Yeah, let's explain more memes though. I mean, yeah. Well, format. you have to think about it. Like, America's up there with I would like to add you to my professional network on LinkedIn with universal caption. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. America's <laughs> really good. And you can still do that. that see, uh, that worked before Jeb's thing. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, it wasn't what I would call an actual meme. Yeah. But it's always appropriate to show a picture of a. Person in a cornfield shooting a gun in America. America. Like you do it sincerely like that, or yeah. someone riding a one of those little goat. scooter th- things in a Walmart. <laughs> and America. I was thinking goat. Sideway. Or a goat. I guess, yeah, America, whatever. <laughs> sure, you can do whatever you want in America. Ride a goat. I don't care. <laughs> um, speaking of things that are terrible mm-hmm. that Twitter did not have fun with, that don't make me happy. I wanted to talk to you, and I know this breaks our unprepared okay. format, but I had a thought that this would be a fun thing to talk to you okay, about. Okay, um, fine. And this is going to take a, a darker turn oh, from our fun Christmas I'm scared. talk. Uh, have you been following this whole uh, case with the uh, Stanford swimming student and the rape case? Are you no, I haven't, and intentionally so. But you're aware of I'm it. I'm aware of it. Okay. Um, I, I didn't read the letter from the victim uh, because well, because I know what it's going to say. Uh-huh. Um, like, really with this one, uh, for anybody who's listening doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, a man who was a swimmer at Stanford raped a woman mm-hmm. uh, by a dumpster. She was unconscious. Yep. 
um, got caught. There were witnesses. People chased him down. Um, he got three months in county jail. Yeah. As punishment, or uh, approximately that. Like some something outrageous. Yeah, it, it blew up because um, the it happened a couple years ago and the case finally went to sentencing and it blew up because the judge the judge's sentence was six months okay. in, in yeah, like county jail instead of an actual state prison mm-hmm. when he could have gotten years and years and years. Yeah, decades. Uh, and the reason was because they didn't want it to have too much of a harmful effect on his life. Yes, on, on the rapist's life. On the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, a lot of people were very upset about. Um, yeah, and rightfully so. Right. Um, I, I kind of, like when I saw this starting to make the rounds on Twitter and on some of my feeds, I basically said, like, I'm going to skip this one. Why? Because I know exactly how it's going to play out. It's the same story we've heard far too many times. Uh-huh. Far too often does nothing come of sexual assault. And, and there are people who need to hear that story. There are people who need to be woke, so to speak. <laughs> there are people who need, who need to understand... Dropping the hot lingo. Yeah, yeah. There are people who need to understand that 90% approximately of sexual assaults are never reported, and it's because of results like and this. And then another 90% are never like convicted. followed up on. Yeah. Like there's, there's all sorts of things. And, and the problem our country and our society has with sexual assault is huge and, mm-hmm. is, and is pervasive and is absolutely devastating and everywhere. And I said to myself, I'm going to skip this one. That's fair. Because there's nothing I'm going to gain from it other than outrage. Um, see, I'm, I'm I'm getting worked up even now because yeah. I care deeply about this, which yeah. is probably why you wanted to talk to me about it. Yeah, it's, cool. Because I, I just knew you'd have interesting thoughts. About yeah, it. I, I knew you'd at least be aware of it. Um, but yeah, that's so. That's like the the word outrage gets to like the thing I've been thinking about yeah. most about it, and I I think I'm in a similar situation as you, where like following the story and reading people's hot takes mm-hmm. about it hasn't hasn't done anything to change the way I think or feel about it. I have done changing and thinking the way I feel through previous cases and situations. Mm-hmm. Because this is not new. Right, it's not new. It's something that in the last couple of years I have become woke about yeah. as something that is a serious problem where before for me it was something that I just didn't realize was a thing. Sure. Right? I've never been on the side where like I've never been on the side where I would be the person defending this rapist and saying like, yeah, he shouldn't like get prison time Mm -hmm. we everything's fine and it's all just a like women are making it up like i've never been that person but i was for a very long time the person who just didn't know that it was a significant thing and a problem in people's lives um but the outrage is the part that's really interesting to me because as i'm watching the situation unfold i think the way you feel about it is like I think that's I think it's sad like what it what it shows. Absolutely. Not like not 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 like you're sad, but the fact that there's two kinds of people. There's people who are on who are on your side who mm-hmm. are who aren't being educated by this. Yeah. And there's people on the other side who will not be educated by this. Yeah. Um and the people who could be educated by this are not going to be because of the way it's talked about. 
That's interesting. Um, and I would love if people could, if a terrible thing could happen, if yeah. you could find some use in educating people and making the world better. And maybe it is, yeah. but like I don't see that happening. Yeah, I think in this so in much this situation. I, mean, I think I think we're such a divided society right now. Um, you know, be it be it left right, be Republican Democrat, however you want to want to split it up. Be it feminist and stupid people, um, however you want to split it up. A feminist and sexist; those are the two things. Those are the two you things. Can be, you can be a yeah. feminist or a sexist. Yeah. I, I'm okay with that. Uh, I small tangent. I was at a work event and we had to pick ten words that described us and then share them in one-on-one sessions. Like I'm, I am a blank or I am blank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, and one of the ones I wrote down was feminist. Uh-huh. Um, and you're supposed to then have sort of a conversation like, why I think this. And I said this to somebody. I said, I am a feminist. And she responded, why? A woman said that? Yes. Um, and I said, well, and my, like, I wasn't prepared for that, even though that was the discussion. Like, the point is, somebody just say, like, why? <laughs> right. Like, why, you know, why, why is that a thing? Did you want them to just congratulate you? A little bit, which is a problem. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'll buy that. Um, but it was, it was a surprised why, um, not a solidarity why, yeah. if that makes sense. And I don't think it's such a thing. Um, and my gut response was because it's stupid not to be. Is that what you said? <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> Which is true. Not a great response. Not a great response. Yeah. No, bad response. But um, that was that was a funny thing. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, so I guess like I, I will say, uh, if you can stomach it, yeah, read the letter that the victim wrote. Yeah, I um, probably can, and that's and I yeah because des- despite the despite the like I've seen this happen a thousand times before, mm-hmm. and like this isn't actually going to change the way you feel about yeah. these kinds of situations. Like reading the letter is, I would say read it because it's powerful and it will have an Im- emotional impact on you that well, I, I know think, that I think is valuable. I, I, think, I know it will have I, an emotional impact. I think on it's me. worth having if you yeah. feel like you can handle it. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people who like, maybe because they've experienced something similar yeah. should not read it because it will be too, too traumatizing. Too tra- yeah. traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out, and I wish, I wish the person, I, I don't think we know the name of the victim. Uh, that's usually intentional. Yeah, and at, and at first I was like, is this just one of those cases where like nobody's saying their names because it's easy to identify people as victim of Stanford swimmer rapist? But I, yeah, I think the name is. Withheld. So there's there's a lot of things going into that that I think are really interesting and powerful and and have an interesting effect. So the media typically, um, in cases like this, particularly in sexual assault cases, mm-hmm. um, you'll also see it when there are victims that are children. Um, will not say the names of the victims okay. um, to protect their privacy, which is a yeah, valid decision. I get that. In which I, I think is a hundred percent valid decision in the, in the media's point of view. But what it does, intentionally or otherwise, is it turns the story and makes the story about the perpetrator. Right, because because they're the we one know we can talk name. about. Yeah, we know his name, and when you can name him, you're like giving him power. And I like I wish when I talked about this, I could say the name of the victim to like balance give, that power <laughs> like give, give them some importance like yeah. I hate just calling give them, them some the victim, humanity but I, I totally get the like protection side yeah. of it it's but, just but I bad. do think that there is a I, and I think I think we get narratives and stories about perpetrators in the media because we know who they are we can research research them we can talk about them we can mm-hmm. tell that story and I think it has a really big problem 
now I, I did say I've been kind of intentionally avoiding this, and that's true. Yeah. That being said, my my Twitter feed has still exploded about it, right? Um, and I can't I can't avoid it. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting in sort of talking about these stories of perpetrators um, and potentially of victims, uh, someone posted a really um, interesting tweet that was um, three pictures of. Um, from a newspaper of like crime story, mm-hmm. and so in two of the pic- in two of the stories, uh, this may have been on a news channel or a TV show rather than a newspaper. But regardless, you had there's a picture side by side. There was um, perpetrator of crime and there was victim of crime. Um, in and then the Stanford one was there as well. There was no pic- picture of the the victim for the reasons we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But in the first two, um, mm-hmm. the perpetrator of the crime was a cop. Okay. Um, and the victim of the crime was a black man. Another very common story. Sure. Um, and the crime was murder. Okay. A cop shot a black guy. And I say, I'm say i saying crime. That's not necessarily how it was described by the media. Sure. But a cop shot a black man. Um, and they used a picture of the cop in full dress uniform and a mugshot of the victim. That's very sad. In both of those first cases. Yeah. And what do we get for the perpetrator of this heinous crime? We get his high school yearbook photo, or the equivalent thereof. Yeah, it was it was, it was a yearbook photo. Yeah, not his mugshot. Yeah, because he's white, right? And rich. Speaking of, there was a, there was an Onion article. I don't know if you saw making the rounds today. Um, wealthy teen narrowly escapes consequences. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Read the whole thing. It's great. Um, uh, some, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the onion just—it hurts. Brutalizes it hurts. with the headline. It hurts. Wow. Yeah. Wealthy teen narrowly. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, that's it was, so yeah. bad. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. He narrowly escaped consequences. Yeah. Um, so, uh, tracking back. Yeah. Uh, if you can read the letter, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's a really good writer. Oh, cool. Like, if, if nothing else, like, it's powerful because she's describing the experience she had, mm-hmm. right? Um, but also, she's really good at doing that, which yeah. was, like, kind of like a fun bonus. I was yeah. like, man, like, she really, like, nails this home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I can imagine... I can just imagine her. She read the whole thing out loud in court. Yeah, I just imagine how like powerful of a situation that would be. Oh, absolutely, and it's really cool to see that. Um, I forget her name. Uh, some CNN anchor mm-hmm. read the entirety of the thing uh, on air. Oh wow! Uh, That's twice in the past two weeks. CNN has impressed me with the thing. Yeah, they're, I, they've done some cool things. The, the other one was um, Trump said he or Trump says. I never implied Iran should have nuclear or, or Japan would have nukes. And then in parentheses, he did. Oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, good job, CNN. Um, and then uh, yeah, the letter reading out reading out a lot is is impressive. Some on CNN. some senator or uh, congresswoman like read it on the the floor of the senator yeah. house, house or something, um, which is cool. Like mm-hmm. I think. And I think that's the place where this situation, I think through the power of how well that letter of hers was written, like that's where some kind of change is happening. Yeah, I, I, think, I agree. I think if you're a senator and you're just some like dude senator and you're sitting there and this mm-hmm. isn't a situation you've, like me before, like, yeah. that you realized was a thing, Yeah. 
and you have a, one of your colleagues read that out loud to you, like that can probably have a strong impact on you. I which certainly I hope so. Good. But so I think all these good things have happened. Yeah. And this is part of like a lot of what I believe where sometimes really, really, really shitty stuff happens in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really like the only like like silver lining or like sometimes yeah. like the right thing to do about that shitty thing is to redeem it and find a way to make a good thing happen because yeah. of it and not like make it so that it was good to have happened no it still shouldn't have happened she that still would be should not have been raped but if we can make good things happen yeah. because of it like yeah. that's the best that's the best we can do um, unfortunately I don't think the way a lot of people like talk about it the way a lot of people who care about it and think it was wrong talk about it do it in a way that can be helpful at all yeah because so much of how people want to talk about it is just like hate the perpetrator Mm -hmm. and like want to shame him and make him a villain which he is like he is a villain and he should be punished but like so much of it is just like like no he's the worst he should die in rotten jail like like he's worthless and we hate him but like there has to be some kind of hope for educating him well so that's interesting because right? i'm i'm hearing i'm seeing in in my twitter sphere a very different set of reactions than what you're seeing and and it may just be who we follow yep. i i follow a lot of um outspoken feminist journalists yep um for lack of a better term <laughs> um and intentionally so, like those are people I'm interested in the opinions of. Yeah. But because um, I am seeing a lot of that, I'm, I'm seeing very little discussion of him in those fields. I'm I'm seeing a lot of like this is what we've been saying. This is a lot of what's been going on. Here's another time this happened. Yeah. Without necessarily being um, too focused on the the punishment or what we should do, but I think I think that's because the people I'm I'm following and hearing these stories from are kind of of the same mindset of this is happening again. This is right. happening. This is happening again. This will happen again because we can we're not because we're not fixing it. How do we fix it? What do we do? Right. We tell this story. We talk about how it's broken. We talk about it's the system that's broken. We talk about how it's the people, how it's the mindset, how it's systematic gender identity, like all of these sorts of things that are that are causing it. And so I'm seeing all of that rather than just that i mean i saw and this was this was from a friend of mine but i saw the the consent and tea video have you seen this video yeah yeah like i've I've seen it a lot i i used to play it when i was a trainer at a previous company uh i would play it in trainings because i'm like you know what i've got this power i've got captive audience watch this two minute film about (laughs) consent yeah it's Uh, a perfect analogy it is it's an amazing analogy uh google consent and tea but the short answer is unconscious people don't want tea Right, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, and they, they may have want, they may have just wanted it, but now they're unconscious. <laughs> I don't want tea. Yep. Nope. They don't want it anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I like I, I And yeah. so I'm seeing those stories. Like I'm seeing people sharing that, and like, here's how to talk about consent. Like here's the super basic version, and uh, so I'm I'm not seeing the same sort of um, outrage maybe that you're seeing, which yeah. which to me speaks to the how we make internet bubbles right which is a really powerful thing as well yeah but like i i want to i almost want to see like because the way this all started was it was a very small story until the sentencing yeah and then the 
the outrage in the story became the sentencing. Like, mm-hmm. can you believe how light this sentence is? Yeah. Which, which is, it is unbelievably light. Which I agree with. He should have been sentenced for more than six months in a county jail. Yeah. For three felonies of rape and all the things that, all the, all the associated, that, yeah. sound, that surround rape. Um, and in a way, like, this is a remarkable story because he was caught and convicted. And, like... That, yeah, which never happens. That's a success in its own way. But the sentencing is infuriating. hmm But then all the people who get upset about the sentencing... Yeah. Right? They, all this righteous anger, which is yeah. good. The people who respond to them respond with uh, all the horrible uh, misogynistic... Victim blaming typical responses of victim blaming or even just straight up like she's making it up yeah you know what i mean like all, all that nonsense of mm-hmm. oh this wasn't really that bad it wasn't really rape like they were drunk it's okay and then the the side i agree with goes from righteous anger about the sentencing to attacking the arguments of the mm-hmm. people they disagree with and they mm-hmm. attack those arguments in a way where instead of tr- like, and I understand how just impossible this is to do on the internet, mm-hmm. but like they do it in a way where you, you just belittle the people who are disagreeing with you. Mm-hmm. And that's really easy to do because their arguments are easily belittled. Yeah. They're very wrong and very dangerous and very destructive, but you, there's no hope of changing their minds mm-hmm. if you're going to argue back at them in a way that's dismissive and belittling and and angry yeah like the only way to do it is to say like like this sound this sounds like super hard to do but like with empathy be like i like i I get where you're coming from like because there's genuine ways where like that's the that's how the world makes sense to these people Mm -hmm. but you gotta find a way to change their mind somehow and you're not going to do it by just arguing and telling them that they're wrong so here's here's my response to that because i've i've encountered this and 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 what you're doing is called tone policing. I don't appreciate it, but that's only that's only half true. Um, but no, there's here's another way of looking at it that maybe will help you, because mm-hmm. um, I, I am very sympathetic to those people who are yelling at the commenters, so to speak. Right. Um, and and it's because I see it from I see a lot of things from their perspective. Mm-hmm. So let's say you are a I'm going to pick a different topic that is equally um, angry. That is equal, equally anger-inducing. Let's talk about Black Lives Matter as sure. a movement. Yeah. Um, so let's say that you were a Black Lives Matter activist, mm-hmm. um, and you have attached yourself to that group recently, but for years, maybe decades, maybe since the civil rights movement, you have been actively engaged with uh, speaking up for the rights of Black and Brown people. You okay. have been actively engaged in in fighting systems of oppression that exist and that you know exist because you've been actively working within and against them for three, five, 20 years. Sure. And every time you raise your voice, speaking out against one of these structures of power, somebody raises their hand and says, well, don't you think all lives matter? Or I'm sorry. Every time someone says all lives matter, I laugh because I think it's the silliest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, Google all houses matter our listeners at home it's my favorite comic on the topic <laughs> um, but or or 20 30 60 plus years ago they said well yeah but you're separate but you're still equal right. and you've been hearing the same arguments for mm. years 
And there might have been a time where you tried to have that discussion and you tried to be the one that answers and be the one that explains. Mm -hmm. But you can't be that person every time. Okay. You can't be that person when 500 people have asked you, oh, I'm just asking. I'm just trying to understand the situation. Don't all lives matter, though? Yeah. And those answers to that question that they're asking you and demanding a response from by asking exist out there to be found. Right. Right. And if you, as the person who's who's tired of dealing with this snaps and tells them to delete their account or just, you know, jump off a cliff or whatever in a moment of, of fury of being tired of whatever, Mm -hmm. or just being done with that because you're tired of having that conversation. And that inquisitiveness Mm -hmm. is a false front Mm -hmm. and they're not actually inquisitive because they were, if they're inquisitive in this day and age, they have this little thing called Google, right? They could look up the answers to these things because they exist, because they've been posted hundreds of times as often as they've been asked, if not more, the mm-hmm. answers to these to these statements or to these questions of, you know, oh, it's always he said, she said. Like that's, there are responses to that that exist. And those don't change based on the individual case. Right. And so I am so very sympathetic to someone who responds with that. Because they've probably been dealing with it. And this is actually, this is a personal thing about like where I think allyship comes into play. So we've mentioned we're two straight white dudes having a podcast. That was our second name after Unprepared. <laughs> two straight white dudes having a podcast. Yeah. Um, but I am, I am, I consider myself an ally. And I'm not a perfect ally. And I'll never be a perfect ally. And I'm going to screw up. And I want to be called out on it when I do. Right. But I have that reserve. Because people aren't constantly asking me. To explain. People uh-huh. aren't constantly asking me, well, don't all lives matter? Isn't separate but equal okay as long as they're actually equal? Mm. Don't women just make this up to get attention? Because I have the protection of the privilege I have of being straight and white and male and cisgendered and all the other things that I was born with, right. intentionally or otherwise, that assuming that I am not stepping on the people who are being asked this question's toes. Like I don't, I don't want to speak for them. And I would always try and make sure that I'm not speaking for them mm-hmm. because that's another problem you have as being a straight white dude is trying to speak for other people. Yep. <laughs> but keeping that in mind and engaging them and saying, well, let's talk about this because I have the reserve of energy because I'm not bombarded with it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't place the blame on the angry people. I place the blame on people like you and I who are not being attacked who think the way we do, but maybe it's our job to sit those people down. To to field the masses instead of... And say like, hey, let me Google that for you. Right. And maybe even be less, you know, obnoxious than that. But sort of being willing to take that conversation because the people who live it get covered in it every single day. Yeah, that's true. And And you're right. So like that's that's an experience I've never had. Like, I've never been deluged with yeah. this kind of stuff because I'm a straight white dude. Try being a woman on Twitter. <clears throat> right. So I think that is really smart and a really great idea to, like, that's that can be a huge part of what an ally is, is someone who can field that mm-hmm. for the affected group. Yeah. Um, when it is permissible for us to do so. Right. 
I'm just putting that out there. I don't yeah, want I don't yeah. want all the allies out here to go. I'm going to go out and tell everybody what's right. It's like, <laughs> no, you're missing the point. Right. In in a way that respects the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But what? But it, it it just it does pain me when I see. Like a lot of. Like I follow a lot of like feminist women in media mm-hmm. on Twitter as well, and when I see them. Like and it, and they do it. It sounds like they do it for fun, and I can get the like therapeutic part of mm-hmm. it where you like respond to someone's dumb statement or dumb argument, some some gamergate troll's dumb argument about something, and you make fun of them about it on Twitter. But like, I bet that feels really good, but you're not helping. Here's anything. the thing: um, guys get to do that all the time. Guys get to respond with humor in in this feminist example. Guys can respond with humor. Guys can respond with a joke. Guys can respond with hyperbole because people are not judging us for our tone. But when women do it, it can be felt like you don't get to have that joke. You don't get to have that. So Hillary Rodham Clinton, a woman who um, I have lots of things that I dislike about. Can we just say President Clinton yet? No. (laughs) We cannot. Um, Hillary Clinton, earlier today, I believe, posted something. So, uh, context, Donald J. Trump, a.k.a. at real Donald Trump. I'm pulling up my phone, which I don't want to mean to do on this show, but I want to quote her exactly. Um, Donald J. Trump tweeted, Obama just endorsed crooked Hillary. We, he wants four more years of Obama, but nobody else does. Which is a typical Donald Trump tweet. Classic Trump. Uh, Hillary Clinton, in in a hyperbolic, humorous mode mm-hmm. that she will get critiqued for. Again, I don't necessarily agree with her on a lot of things, but she will get critiqued for those things, not for the content of her messages. Mm-hmm. Quoted him and said, delete your account. I saw it. It's a great tweet. I thought it was hilarious. Tweet of the, tweet of the week for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but she has received already, I don't even have to look for it to know it's out there, a critique for not being willing to honestly debate Donald J. Trump. Mm-hmm. But Donald J. Trump is an extreme version of some of these people. And it's like, there's a yeah. point, <laughs> yeah, there's a point where either debate's not worth it or we respond with humor as, as a response because it's an honest response or we respond with hyperbole because it's an honest response. And it's typically the people in the marginalized groups who get policed for responding in a way that is not quote unquote helpful. Hmm. I can see that. Men I, don't get that. I, yeah, I can see an aspect of that in the way I'm feeling about it, for sure. And this is me being an ally to help you understand that. Because yeah. I can do it because I got the energy to spare. I yeah. got the spoons to spare. Yeah. And so so here's the deal. Like I'm I can receive that criticism of myself well because I'm already consciously on your side Mm -hmm. right yeah if i was if i was consciously against you Mm -hmm. like the way you're like speaking about this to me might be helpful because you're doing it in a way that is like kind to me i'm trying to right you know what i mean (laughs) yeah that being said i've tried this and it's turned people off before too like people have shut down it's like okay well there's limits 
but you're like it's working for me because I'm already on your side, mm-hmm. and I and I know that, and I'm very aware that I'm already on your side. So it's easy for me to take criticism. <laughs> and go, oh, you know what? Like I can tell that like my thinking might be colored in this way and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I I do know that I I feel this way also because of the way like men have reacted. It is I am aware that it is both genders who are responding in this race yeah. case in this way. It can certainly yeah. be like tainted by mm-hmm. my subconscious feelings about how women can do it I get that. <laughs> that's fair and um, and you know we're speaking in generalities but, when there's always specifics yeah and but like i'm glad i'm glad you talked about that hillary tweet because i when i saw that today like i loved it i loved it so much like it brought me so much joy because mm-hmm. i think like i think a hillary clinton and like a major presidential candidate using like dumb twitter jokes like to make fun of Donald Trump. Like, yeah. I think that's the most hilarious yeah. thing in the world, and I'm glad, like, the the world has resulted in a way where that's happening. To be fair, my future brother-in-law made that same joke about something else uh-huh. earlier today. Like, really? I was scrolling through <laughs> my feed, and I saw him make that joke to somebody else about yeah. a different thing. It, like, he quoted a, like, Wall Street Journal or something, I don't know. It, it's so delightful to me that our yeah. top presidential candidates right now are doing that on Twitter. I think that's great. <laughs> But then the other side of me, like the more, the more thoughtful side of me, the side that like actually wants to take Donald Trump supporters and All Lives Matter supporters mm-hmm. and people who are defending the rapist in Stanford. Yeah. I don't even remember his name. It's okay. Like, we don't need to give him power. Right. Like I want to take these people and I want to talk about these things in a way that might actually change their mind. I do too. I've had that thought in my and, brain. Like, I wish... I want to find these people. I want to sit down and I want to understand them. Right. And and as magical as Hillary's tweet was. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure, like, Hillary didn't actually write it. Like, I'm sure she has people writing it. If, I don't know. I saw she, that picture of her with her sunglasses If she actually did, that would be even better. Um, I'll take the fiction over it any But, day. like... I, and I think she has the right to do that. And I don't think it's wrong for you to respond with humor to something... But I know that Hillary tweeting that isn't going to make anything better, right? Like, it's not going to take any Trump supporter and go, oh, man, you know what? Like, Trump might actually not be the best. Like, it's mm-hmm. not actually going to do anything to change someone's mind. And, mm-hmm. I would, and I want to find ways to talk about all these controversial things yeah. and change the minds of people who... I disagree with so that they agree with me because, <laughs> because I think I'm on the right side and uh-huh. I'm going to take that as a given that I, the way I feel I'm is right. good is actually right yeah. but I want to actually change people's minds and I see a lot of the way we talk about stuff yeah. in a way that does not do anything to change but, people's yeah, minds so the responses that I would have to that is we can't and people like Hillary Clinton can't live their life always worrying or always making sure that whatever they do furthers their cause yeah and i agree with that's that. an impossible way to live and hillary's the as extreme as it gets being like can is she the most significant woman in america right now that's that's reasonable she's the first major female uh party candidate ever yeah in the history of america like, I'm, I'm willing to call her the most significant woman in america which means and I think the more significant you get, the less responsibility it is of yours to to be making to be making sure that you're always doing the absolute best thing to change yeah. people for your cause. Like I, I, I can see where you're coming like from. Like you with can't that, you can't that. 
you can't require them to be always on. Exactly. They're people. Right. Like, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the inherent humanity in these people that you disagree with because it's there. I agree right. that it's there in 98% of them. Right. Um, but we have to be willing to accept that from the people on our side as well. Cool. I get that. That empathy you're looking for to have towards them, you have to have for us too. Yeah. Yeah, that that's all sense. we really need is more empathy. Right. And that's what we need. And I, and I think so. So, yeah, I guess the way I'm feeling can be attributed to a lack of empathy for people on my own side. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing is an enormous lack of empathy for everyone else on the other. Yeah. Which can be okay, especially if your uh, tweet quoting Donald Trump is like absolute hot fire. I mean, it's a good tweet. <laughs> so good. It's <laughs> a good tweet, don't worry. Um, I think I think we should like cancel the televised in person on stage with a crowd like presidential debates and just have it via Twitter and just like be like, hey, you guys, for the next two hours, you're just on like going at each other on Twitter. We're just gonna watch it live. See what happens. All the gifts, all the fun memes, <laughs> just go nuts on each other. I think that would be really fun. I mean, you'd, you'd be able to bring your team in more specifically. You'd have a team of writers you'd have there with you. Yeah, just a, but it's a, instead of like yeah. two people on a stage with spotlights, it's yeah. like. Uh, a bunch of people sitting at a table with tweet deck open. Yeah. All right, what about this? Try this. <laughs> <laughs> like the writer's room. Um, I don't necessarily want to like talk about politics a ton, but I think the fact that Hillary Clinton's going to be the nominee is pretty cool. The fact that there's a woman nominee is pretty cool. I It is, as someone who, again, would not have picked her for the Democratic nominee. Like, I'm going to be upfront about that. Okay. Um, I've never been a huge fan of Hillary, uh-huh. even as my political views have swung from left to right and back again. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that one of the two major parties in the U.S. has a woman as the the, the presumptive nominee for president is amazing. That can only represent good things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Hillary has made a lot of poor decisions to like international working and some of the things she did while secretary of state were bad choices sure Uh uh-huh um but part of me kind of feels like the same way when we got our first black president which is like it's about time right like i don't necessarily want that that particular person to do it but how have we gone this long without a woman as a president right like germany get it before us a lot of other countries i don't think england yeah england had a had a female prime minister in the 80s Oh, right. Margaret Thatcher. And she was a terrible person. They also have their monarchy, which is less dependent yeah, on that. Monarchy's trickier, so, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, even, I mean, give props to the queen. You know, she made sure, she changed the, the rules of secession. Is that the right word? Mm, succession. Succession. Succession is what we did to the Mexicans. Yeah. Uh, she, changed, she changed the rules of succession to make sure that her, her grandchild, the royal baby, would be third in line for the crown regardless of gender. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, that was a big thing. Like, you know, had it been 10 years down the line, it would the line of succession would have gone, like, Harry, William, William's brother. Instead even if, of William's ch- child? If that child was female. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but Queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth? That's who's queen right now, right? All, all those British names sound the same to me. <laughs> it's not Victoria. I know that. And that was the other major That English was the queen. other one. I think, I think it's, it's Elizabeth II. Yeah. I think we're Elizabeth II. Um, she changed the rules of succession to make sure that that child would be third in line for the crown, nice. regardless of gender. I like that. Because it's a little bit dumb. Yeah. Although I do love that, that she's married to the prince. Like, 
Yeah. Like her husband is a prince and yeah. will never be king. Yeah, too bad. Um, I'm, I don't feel bad for him. Yeah, still pretty good to be prince of England. Yeah, like, well, I don't, he's not the prince of England. He's prince of something. I don't know. Yeah, he's a... He's a Duke, maybe I don't know. He's got a, he's got a bunch of titles. It's that is the most complicated system of the. It certainly. Is. I can't understand it. Yeah. Um, but I do think, uh, speaking of American royalty, I do think, uh, I, I do think Hillary being a nominee is really cool. Um, I also really like the idea. This was pointed out to me today. Um, if Hillary is elected, mm-hmm. which at right now is the likely thing to happen mm, um not as likely as i would like yeah not as like yeah not likely enough for me to. Be i would honestly take almost any republican nominee over donald trump yeah oh. apparently people disagree with me on that but um yeah. anyway um if hillary is elected yeah uh she serves a term mm-hmm. uh there will be 12 year olds who have never known their president to be a white dude yeah, that's kind of cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and if she does two terms, you can be almost of voting age. And never have had a white president. And you will have never had a white dude president. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. That's kind of neat. And it's about time. Yeah. As Donald Trump says, Obama just wants four more years of him. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> uh, the way Donald Trump tweets... It makes him seem like one of those like Twitter bots, who like I don't I don't see enough of his tweets to have a good sample size. I don't follow him, but like I see him like quoted and discussed yeah. regularly enough. But his the way the way he talks, it sounds like those like Twitter bots that like make fake tweets and sentences yeah. out of garbage. I mean, Donald Donald Trump feels a little bit like a Twitter bot come to life. So yeah, yeah. I feel like our our political persuasions are not being very well hidden on this show. I'm not we're concerned gonna, about we're that. We're going to alienate part of the part of our listening audience I don't, potentially. I mean, our listening audience might just be our moms. Yeah. Uh, We've had six downloads uh, since our first episode went up. One of them was me. One uh, of them was my mom. One of them was my mom, I'm sure. Uh, I don't think my parents are going to vote for Trump. I don't know. I've not asked yet. I don't think my parents will enjoy voting for Hillary <laughs> either. Yeah, I know. I I, I feel that way as well. Um, uh, Gary Johnson's polling to almost ten percent right now. I don't know who that is. Gary Johnson's the uh, the Libertarian nominee. Oh, great. Uh, so the Libertarian's the only like viable third party currently, uh, and viable meaning like big, not being like right. they're gonna like Gary Johnson's not gonna be president. Right. Ten um, percent overall between the three of them. Yeah. Uh, which is the first time any third party candidate has pulled that high in a very long time yeah well i mean the other two candidates aren't particularly attractive yeah um because i remember two cycles ago i feel maybe it was just last time obama ran um gary johnson who's been the nominee for the libertarian party like six times i feel like really Maybe not that many, but he's done it a few times. That's kind of sweet. I like that. <laughs> um, the Libertarian Party has a tendency to nominate the same candidate over and over again. Yeah. Uh, Ron Paul was Libertarian nominee for president a few times. Yeah, yep. Uh, before he switched to Republicans, um, he was still a Libertarian at heart. but He just got more exposure. Yeah, yeah. he just got some people to pay attention to him. He's like, oh, this is how you do it. Um, Gary Johnson ran for uh, the Republican nominee years ago as well. Hmm. Um, and then went Libertarian. But at least one election cycle, if not two election cycles ago, uh, the the entire goal of the Libertarian Party was to get 5% of the vote. 
Hmm. Um, because we're like, look, like we can't win. We get that. But if we can get 5% of the U.S. population to vote for us, yeah. that's going to send a message that we are worth listening to and probably get us invited to the table going forward. Yeah. Uh, because that, that was a big push this year was to try and get one of the libertarians, because there were, there were three or four nominees until Gary Johnson was picked, to one of the presidential debates. Like mm-hmm. to, and, and they're still trying to get him to one of the, the final ones now that all the nominees are presumptively picked. Right. Uh, I don't think the Libertarians have a national party. I don't know if, if they have a convention or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I think it's a good year for Gary Johnson. 10%. There you go. Like, I mean, 10% would be outrageous for any sort of third party. Yeah. And I have something about something about that. Like, I have an enormous amount of respect for that. If you are like the Libertarian Party, mm-hmm. the Green Party, or something like that. And like, as long as you're not delusional... Yeah. Like it shows the sad state of affairs in American politics where like you cannot be a member of one of those parties yeah. and win the election. Well that's part of the nature of our of our voting process. Right. And I think and I think that's yeah. a problem that should be solved, but like going like going for five percent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like like uh like rev- reveling in the fact that you got ten. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. go for that. Go for representation. Go for like a, a symbolic yeah. gesture. Well, I can respect it's not that. A lot. It's, it's the idea is that if a significant portion of the policy, the goal, such as it is, is yes, to become president or to you know become a, a congressperson or whatever. Right. But the goal is also to force the other candidates to shift their policy to get those voters back, because that's a significant portion of the voting population that you want to have vote for you right you know that's what a lot of people are saying about bernie sanders is one of the things that bernie sanders has has done has is driven hillary further to the left right which i think is the success of his campaign Mm -hmm. the like i really i like i like bernie sanders in a lot of ways and i have a lot of problems with him and others yeah but if i really really love the the symbolic aspect of his campaign where it it drives hillary left it shows that there are real issues that a lot of people care about Mm -hmm. that would not have otherwise been talked about yeah well because hillary without bernie sanders hillary would have walked into the nomination right who was who were any of the other people i don't remember there was a third one that showed up at one of the debates but yeah nobody remember Uh, martin martin o'malley oh yeah i remember that name but like that's where I start to have a problem with the Bernie campaign, especially right now, is where he's like, like Hillary's going to be the nominee because she has the delegates at mm-hmm. this point, but he's not dropping out. Like, like that feels delusional to me. Mm-hmm. And if, like, I I can much more appreciate somebody who says like, I like will respectfully concede. I understand that my campaign's over. I can. And I want to further the like symbolic importance of what I just did yeah. in a way that's healthy and productive, instead of the like what feels like a seriously delusional on Bernie's <laughs> part right now, where he's like, I can still go to the. I think. The I, well, I mean, convention. I think I think the point is is similar to maybe that of Gary Johnson, which is to go to the convention and have those votes cast. And have a portion of the population say, this is what we want. Yeah. Because when you concede, I mean, your delegates can still vote for whoever they want, but you're basically telling them not to vote for you. Yeah. And I think what Bernie is saying and and what 
the goal is going forward, and I don't think it'll happen, I want it to, but is to continue that conversation. And I think by going to the con- by going to the delegate, or the convention, mm-hmm. and having the delegates vote, you know, the pledged delegates vote for him, it will perhaps encourage people to keep up the momentum, to vote down ticket, to be aware mm-hmm. going forward. Is that is that not playing politics as fair? Eh, yeah, probably not. I'm not, is, I'm not so much concerned the, with fair because, yeah. like, I don't think he's not going to like pull some trick and steal it from Hillary. Like, that's no, not going to happen. Not. But like, it just it it looks bad. Like, it makes me feel bad for him. But that's but that's been Bernie's whole campaign is not doing things the way they're supposed to be done. Yeah, not taking corporate money. The fact that Bernie Sanders had. The impact on the Dem- on the Democratic nominee process that he did, entirely via small part small donations. Mm-hmm. Now it is worth pointing out because my dad pointed out as well, and I want to re- represent his views. Light. Mm-hmm. We've been sitting in the dark for the last twenty minutes, by the way. Yeah, got a dark out. <laughs> um, there are super PACs that were in favor of Bernie. Okay. Um, Bernie had no control over them because they were true super PACs, not these fake super PACs that everybody else runs. Uh, small, just, you know, civics lesson here. Uh, a true super PAC is a group of people getting together, pooling all of their money and saying, we want to go support this thing or we want to run these ads. Mm-hmm. The fake super PAC that exists in most campaigns is all of that with the tacit support and communication from the actual nominee or the actual person who's running which is which is the quote-unquote illegal part of a super PAC Mm -hmm. or the the part that makes them legal if you know if the if they're being run by the candidate it's not a super PAC just a normal PAC and there's limits on that right Bernie actually did have zero contact or close to zero contact with the super PACs he did not count on them for support he did not ask people to donate to them he did not he pretended they didn't exist basically that's pretty cool um and the rest of his campaign was run off of Small donations from lots of people, just individual normal people. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is is something that no other campaign can claim. Can can claim. Yeah, uh, Hillary was definitely financed by people donating the maximum allowable by law and then some by skirting around them by having them donate to the Republican, or excuse me, the Democratic Party, right? And the Democratic Party giving her that money, right? Which is which is definitely skirting the law. Like I can't say otherwise, right? I, and yeah, yeah. That, all, all, all of that campaign finance stuff is fucked up and, and messed up. Absolutely. And, and I don't like it. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think Bernie's campaign will prove to be more like one of the most important presidential campaigns. I hope so. Like o- Obama's was felt so important when it mm-hmm. was happening. Um, and it, it really helped that he did end up becoming president <laughs> to, to like really seal the deal. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and, but I hope Bernie's isn't forgotten yeah. because he won't end up becoming president. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's an attempt. There's a group of Bernie staffers who have launched an early project called like the, the 453 Project or the 538 Project. I don't know what it is. Um, where basically their goal is to take that groundswell of support from Bernie mm-hmm. and turn their eyes to the members of Congress. Okay. However many there are. Um, and basically say we're going to take the same amount of funding or the same, you know, we're going to keep the same funding model. We're going to keep the same people involved. And we're basically going to have 400 whatever small campaigns that are basically working together and pulling from the same pool and saying vote for this ticket 
And, you know, if you believe in what we believe in as Bernie, vote for these people in your small down ticket races. For the House. For the House. Yeah, that's smart. Um, with the idea of sort of the reason Bernie's successful is because it's a national campaign. He's getting that money. He's getting that thing. Right. And so basically this is saying, okay, if you like Bernie, you like his policies, you like what he's doing, here's who you should vote for in your local election. That's really and smart. And funding that all together and sort of using that and making it a national campaign for local races. If it'll be successful or not, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bernie certainly has a certain amount of charismaticness to himself that matters. That bird happened. That bird freaking happened. Did you know the same thing happened to Fidel Castro? No. Yeah. That's not a good comparison. It's an interesting one. It sure is. Fidel Castro was giving a speech and three doves landed on his podium. Oh, that's different than just some random little sparrow. <laughs> three doves is very symbolic. Three doves landed on him. And there are, you can go find pictures of it. That's straight up like Messiah. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Landed on Fidel Castro. I didn't think I'd ever use those two words consecutively. <laughs> Messiah shit? That was, Messiah that was shit, unexpected, yeah. yeah. Um, like, I know that because I think it's a neat thing to know about Fidel Castro. Regardless of the fact that Fidel Castro might have been a terrible human being, um, there were a lot of people that believed in his message and, like, believed in socialism. And sure. he was very charismatic. And he had freaking birds laying on his podium. Doves. Doves. Uh, yeah. Wow, go find the picture sometime. It's they're they're impressive to look at. It's like it, yeah, it's uh, yeah. what's the what's the Disney movie where like the birds are following the person around? It's like a the birds. <laughs> no, <laughs> is it Cinderella or Snow White? Snow White. Snow White. Yeah, it's Cinderella like... had mice. Oh yeah, that's gross. It's magical. You got birds following you around and landing on you. Like, that's magical. Or it's terrifying. Or it's terrifying if you're Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> I would have... I, I might have liked it more if a horde of ravens invaded a Bernie campaign and just started pecking at people. And just landed... No, just landed on top of him, like, coat him with ravens. Yeah. Like, you can't see Bernie. You see the tuft of hair. It's just a swarm And it's just a suit of ravens. vibrating swarm of ravens surrounding him. I don't know if that would gain him votes or lose him votes. Certainly gain him votes among, like, Satanists. Yeah, actually, uh, the Satanists... What what did they do recently? Satanists definitely don't like Trump. I don't think. no, I was reading something about Satanists. Oh, did you ever see the movie uh, The Witch or The The, the Itch? Because it was spelled with two V's on the poster. <laughs> no. It's a great movie. Okay. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, it came out earlier this year. Uh, I think it's on Netflix or I saw it in Redbox. That's where it was. Um, it is a it is a horror movie. I'm going to say that even for all the dumb people out there who think it's not a horror movie. Um, but it's a, it's a movie set in the 16th century New England about a family that are exiled or choose to exile themselves from their community um, and live in the woods. And bad things start happening to them, and they're pretty sure that there's a witch responsible. Um, and it's very much, it's very atmospheric, and it's very much about the sort of paranoia of like the fear of witches right. and things like that. And I'm, I'm closer to this because this is literally what Amy's studying right now. Like one of her chapters of her dissertation is about this, is about uh, 
the Crucible, the play based on the Salem Witch Trials, but mm-hmm. it's not really about the Salem Witch Trials. But anyway, but she's mm-hmm. been studying 19th century and that, you know, depictions of, of Puritans. Okay. And it's like, this is right in her wheelhouse. Um, and the play is super amazing. It, the movie is super amazing. Uh, some people who are dumb call it slow and boring and nothing happens, but they're wrong. Most movies that people say are s- slow and dumb and boring, I really like. Yeah. Uh, you'll love this. Um, it is It is dreadful. Like you will feel dread. Another adjective I love in a movie, um, but it, that, this is where this came from. Is uh, it was endorsed by the Church of Satan? Oh, good. Um, which uh, the actual Church of Satan is, uh, or the the Satanists, the organized group. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them may actually worship Satan, but what they actually stand for is more of um, a thing about like separation of church and state, and there's sort of a, a paritic organization. Yeah, um, they're the ones who wanted the statue of Baal. Uh, to be next to the Ten Commandments in Oklahoma, things like that. Um, right. But a, an advanced version of it was shown to members of them, and they approved it. And so, <laughs> That's funny. So for marketing, they could say, like, approved by the Church of Satan. That's uh, quite a seal you can put on your horror movie. Yeah. Um, as much as I, uh, from a religious standpoint, disagree with members of the Church of Satan, sure. I do appreciate their sense of humor. Yeah. Oh, they're they're quite funny. Yeah. Like, they have they have a good sense of yeah, humor. Yeah, the Statue of Baal thing... Uh, it's that's uh, pretty clever. Yeah. Uh, they did another thing. Uh, oh, actually, uh, I think I think they did a thing where they were like protecting like abortion clinics from like protests and stuff like that. Like yeah. they, they've done some like actually like oh that's yeah. kind of like a nice thing to do. Yeah, like they're not just a bunch of nihilists. They're no, no. They're actually they're, from my understanding, they're actually kind of pretty cool people. Yeah, like there's some <laughs> there's some like good ethical background mm-hmm. behind what some of the members of the Church of Satan do, which is a Another Sur- phrase you didn't expect to say tonight. Surprising thing. <laughs> I am not a member of the Church of Nor Satan. Nor am I. That's not it's not my jam. No, not my jam either. Jesus is my jam. <laughs> what what flavor is the Jesus jam? Uh raspberry? That's a good flavor. It's red just like the blood of Christ. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought you were going I to say. I say as I'm about to eat a small piece of bread torn <laughs> off from a larger loaf. This is getting real symbolic. <laughs> Did you ever watch The Sopranos? There's, have, a, there's, there's a reason I'm asking this question. I haven't. Okay. Uh, I have watched the first season and a half or so. I've, I need to. I want to finish it. It's a good TV. It's one of those shows that's like on my list of shows I yeah. should watch. Um, it, my, it's funny because since it's been followed by shows like Mad Men or Breaking Bad, it's surprisingly tame. But that's an interesting thing in and of itself. Um, I hope you don't care, but I'm about to spoil the ending of Sopranos. I'm familiar with the ending. Of okay. It, yeah. Well, there was there was a famous um, essay, I guess, not long after the ending happened, that claimed that it was proof that Tony dies at the end because it's ambiguous. Okay. They, at the end of they're they're in a restaurant, and there's a song playing, and their daughter's coming in, and it cuts to black. Right. And it's just and it's it's an intentionally ambiguous ending, and I. I think from other things I've read about it, it actually makes a really good statement sort of about like life. Sure. Um, without making you focus on how that story ends. Mm-hmm. But um, there was an amazing sort of breakdown of like what everything meant that was basically um, the entire scenes are the scene is the Catholic last rites, um, which huh. is proof that Tony dies at the end. Um, including things as suspiciously accurate as um, they order some onion rings and everybody puts the onion ring entirely in their mouth to eat it. 
rather than biting it um, and eating a portion of it. Just like the Eucharist. Just like the Eucharist, um, like a communion wafer or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, And so, you you, you know, it's it's a little suspicious, (laughs) Uh, but it's an interesting thing. I don't think I've ever eaten an onion ring. Just all the whole and that's ring just, in and the that's mouth. the author's point. Yeah. You don't put the whole thing in your mouth. Yeah, you take a bite. Yeah, savor that onion ring. Just like Jesus wanted. Just like Jesus wanted. 